0: It's that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Monday Sports Talker here on the Sports Buzz. Most of you, I imagine, are just getting finished watching Kentucky go 2-0 in the Bahamas, played a French professional team, in the, the French A-League, they were in the B-League, won the championship. I, I assume it's similar to soccer and relegation. So they won their, the B-League, so they get to move up to the A-League. Champagne, I think <laughs> That's probably not accurate. I don't speak French very well. And Kentucky didn't have any problem with the French team. Moving on, 81-53. They're going to play them again. And tomorrow they're going to play the Puerto Rico team. So they've gone in the Bahamas and played two games, winning both. One by 25 points, I think was the first one. And then they win this game today, 81-53. So uh, John Calipari, I think if there's one takeaway I'm going to take from Kentucky's two wins so far, you still can't believe a thing John Calipari says. He talked about how Kentucky was likely to go 0-6 in this Bahamas tour if they were to win two games. That would be an unbelievable job for them. And here's the thing. I don't think this French team they played today was terrible. I think they're actually pretty good. They jumped out on Kentucky early, got up by as as much as 8, I believe. It's just Kentucky is going 10 deep and doing 5 uh, Five-man rotation subs, and the 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 French team only had nine players on its bench or nine players on its team. So you have five guys playing, four on its bench. Kentucky just keeps the intensity level up, like they did against Puerto Rico, and the other teams just can't really hold on that long. So, is this an indication that going into the season, Kentucky's going to be good? Sure. Does it mean that that Kentucky's the fact that they're beating French professional teams mean that they're going to walk away easily with an NCAA championship. No, I'm not, I'm not making that jump. I'm not making that conclusion just based off of these games. But the story is that there's no denying that this Kentucky team is going to be very, very good. Probably deserving of their number one ranking to start the year. But during the regular season, the bench is going to be an advantage for Kentucky. But it won't be like in this Bahamas tour. They're going to be playing teams that are going to be well-conditioned. And they're going to be t- playing teams that can go to their bench and put other guys in. But Kentucky's, but Kentucky's advantage is certainly going to be it's, its bench. And we saw that there are so many players that are going to be able to play for this Kentucky team and make an impact. And you're going to have no liabilities. And, and Calipari's whole thing, since he's been coaching, especially since his last few years at Memphis and then at Kentucky, is he doesn't, ha- he doesn't have to have, he doesn't, He doesn't really like a bench. He doesn't like to play more than seven guys. That national championship team in 2012 was not a very deep team. Now, the people they did play off the bench, Darius Miller, Kyle Wilcher, were very good, but it wasn't a team that went nine or ten deep. John Calipari generally doesn't like a bench, but the reason he he, he doesn't is because he doesn't want to play guys that are going to be a liability. He doesn't want to play a guy... That's going to get beat on defense all the time. That's why you didn't see Kyle Wilcher play as much in 2012 as he probably should have. It's because he wasn't very good at defensively. But now, John Calipari can have his cake and eat it too. He's got a, a very talented team that has so many players. So I don't know how the rotation is going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen when uh, they're playing, they're in a close game. I don't know what's going to happen when they don't make five-man substitutions. That's one thing I didn't really like about these past two games. That you didn't get to see a lot of other players playing with each other. They based it for the most part, they kept their five-man rotations the same. But I would like to see Tyler Ulis play with Andrew and Aaron Harrison, and I would I would want to see them kind of get a little weird with some of their lineups. And the, if there's a time to do it, obviously Kentucky's uh, out of conference schedule is is good. But you're going to have some games where you're going to win by 20 or 30 points, and you can experiment then as well. But why not do it right now? I mean, you're beating these teams by 20 plus points, and you, you can. And you saw a little bit of it, but not as much as I would have liked. But what if you? What would a roster? What, with with how well the the Harrison Twins are playing? What if you did a? What if you did a lineup at a time and in college, uh, during the college season, where you had Ulysses at the point, Andrew at the two, Aaron at the three, or what if you had Aaron at the four and Devin Booker at the three, and you you ran a true four-guard lineup that could, all four of those players could hit threes, and then you put a guy like Willie Cauley-Stein at the five, or Dakari Johnson at the five. I mean, it'd be a very small lineup, but that's something that if, I doubt we're going to see much of it. I'm just kind of, you know, throwing out weird roster things that Kentucky can do. But the fact is, they can do that. Calipari could do that if he wanted to, and see how it worked. I think this is kind of the time you want to start experimenting. Experimenting. What? It? Jeez, it's been a long weekend, Yates. And it's uh, was at the PGA all day Saturday. Good time out there. And I don't know if being out in the sun for all that time. I don't know if I fully have recovered from all that, but Kentucky, I would like to see John Calipari, and he didn't even coach today. Kenny Payne did, but obviously John Calipari was telling him what he wanted to see. This would be the time to experiment with lineups and and do some different things. Play big guys with other big guys. Play guards with other guards. So hopefully we'll see more of that moving forward, and we're going to talk a lot more about this Kentucky game. On the show today, it's basketball in August. It's it's fun to be able to talk about it. b 116 already texting into the show. I went to the PGA Sunday and had a lot of fun. You could feel the tension and excitement in the air, and you could actually be a part of the roars around the green. So I would recommend attending a Sunday before you knock it, TJ. It was great, and I would do it again. I'm glad you had fun. And what a PGA championship it was. And Valhalla, was lucky to be able to host maybe debatably two of the better PGA championships in the past 20 years. This one certainly was in the conversation for being one of the best ones in in, in quite some time. You had so many guys have a chance at winning it. You had Rory, who's down big, heading into the back nine, and he's able to make a comeback and win it. So if you were going to be out there on a Sunday – that was the Sunday to be out there. That's what a job by Valhalla and the PGA. And they had certainly some uh, plenty of hurdles that they had to deal with, with the weather and kind of surviving the, the, the tiger media blitz that started on Wednesday and, him ended up playing and then not even making the cut and you still, the PGA Valhalla still put on an unbelievable show. I bet those right ratings are going to be insane when we get the full details. They might be out there right now, but I, I certainly haven't seen them. So I'm sure if you went out on Sunday, you had a good time. If you avoid, if you, if you stayed dry, I wouldn't uh, when I went out Saturday, I missed all the rain altogether. It was a great time. It was a fun time. We watched all the groups finish walked around uh, somehow had wanna maker tickets so checked out that ran into Northern Kentucky's athletic director just kind of bumped shoulders with him and talked to him for a while and it, it was a it was a great time out of Valhalla and whether you went on Sunday or Saturday I'm sure you're probably not complaining but Clavy 116 for as much fun as you had out there my brother went out on Sunday, and he had a good time, but guess where he watched Rory win? Back at his house. They left before because he just said it, it was too hard to follow. So you had success following it. He didn't, but he's still out there Sunday, still had a good time, and was, and was able to watch the finish there. Yates, you have to feel pretty good about your Rory pick. I do. Did you uh, Did you make that pick official on any – uh, any gambling websites or did you not, you weren't that confident
0: entertainment purposes only.
1: Okay. Well, uh, I, you were, you are right. My guy didn't even make the cut, but whatever. I, that, that's uh, certainly a great year for Rory. Now, this is the conversation that I want to have is who gets your vote for golfer of the year. Is it Rory or Ricky Fowler? Yates.
0: Um, I, I had that same thought, and I, I would have to go back. I don't know what their resumes look like with regard to non-major tournaments. Um, but if we're talking about just majors, I think you probably give the slight edge to Rory because, I mean, as, as impressive as four top five finishes are, two wins in majors, I mean, I, I think i give that just a just slight edge.
1: It's definitely one, one, two. These guys, whatever order you want to put them in, uh, I think you can make a case for both of them. But what a year for both those guys! And you have to feel a little bit for Ricky Fowler to be so close and be in contention in all these tournaments and still uh, just come up with nothing. He he won the same amount of majors this year that as, as Tiger Woods did. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give him. Golfer of the year, in my opinion. And yes, Rory did win the British Open kind of going away, but, and he won the, he won in Akron last week too. But Ricky Fowler becomes, goes into the history books by being the third person ever, only three people have done it, to finish top five in all four majors in a year. Following Tiger Woods, obviously. And Jack Nicklaus. So that's impressive. And that's why I think I'm going to give him golf for the year because he was competitive in every major. And, and you know, not that not, winning two championships, two PGA, champ, two majors, excuse me, in a year is really tough to do. It's really tough to win one, and Rory was able to win two, and ha- and has dominated a few tournaments this year. But to be in contention day in and day out, I'm gonna give him the slight. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give Ricky Fowler the slight edge, and also Ricky Fowler being American, maybe I'm, I've got a soft spot for him. I don't know. But a, a great performance from Rory. You knew when he hit that birdie putt. On seventeen, that it was. That was pretty much it. You have to feel for Phil too. He was right there, and he seemed really—you know—not that any of these people would be happy losing. But Phil, for being so experienced, he seemed like he took it especially hard. Brun DMC texted into the show. And says final round Sunday coverage was the highest-rated PG final PGA Championship in five years, had average household rating at six point oh. That's up thirty-six percent from last year. I don't really know what the ratings mean, but thirty—I know that thirty-six percent up from last year is a huge, huge number. And golf in Louisville does well. Whether it's the 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 Ryder Cup was, I think, one of the more exciting Ryder Cups in the in the past twenty years. This PGA Championship was. And a lot of people complaining today that the course was too easy. But what would you rather watch? Would you rather watch guys getting birdies or guys getting bogeys? And I don't know where Rory finished, what, 18 under? So that's a a little bit, that's about four under a day. Again, probably too high. But the course, with how wet it was, the greens were extremely soft. You saw a lot of guys hit some, some tough putts. So I think the course had a little bit to do with it. The weather had a little bit to do with the course playing a little bit easier. There was no wind. So maybe maybe it was a little, you know, 18 under might be a, might be too much. But all things considered, the course was, was playing easy, and it was still super fun to watch. So I don't really have a problem with the... With the low scores. And I I think Valhalla needs to be. Constantly in the rotation. For the PGA Championship. And I would love. Absolutely love to see another Ryder Cup. In Louisville. Somewhere down the road. That would be great. Anyways plenty more to. To talk about today. Kentucky with a win. We talked about that early on. We're going to talk more about that later. What we're going to do right now, though, is we're going to go to a commercial break. There's some other sporting news issues I want to get to on the show today. An hour sometimes just isn't enough. Also, Kentucky football had an open practice today. I was not there. But I talked to some people that were, and, and we'll we'll talk how Kentucky looked there. So stick around here on 1450 the Sports Buzz. We'll be right back.
0: It's time to do what be
1: be you can tell everybody Yeah, you can tell everybody There's no way to tell everybody I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man So you can tell everybody
0: Yeah, you can tell everybody There's no way to tell everybody You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450, the Sports Buzz.
1: And we're back here the second segment. I think I was saying earlier that UK had won eighty-one fifty-three. It was eighty-one fifty-eight. So, mistake on my part. Kentucky beats the French professional team. And then, like I said, Puerto Rico tomorrow. They'll take some break. They'll take a break for some vacation time. And then I think the toughest test they'll face, the Dominican Republic, will come later in the week and they'll play the, the same French team they beat today later in the week as well. So jealous of the people that were able to make the trip down there. It seems like it's been a good time. I, I think it'd be tough to have a bad time down there. Yates, did you get to watch the, the game? I did not, know. John Calipari took the game off from coaching because he wanted to evaluate, and that eventually led to him working the ESPN cameras. So I guess he got bored. But taking the game off to coach, said that he didn't want his players to get sick of hearing him talk. It's going to be such a long season. Kenny Payne coached. Ducky, I certainly looked, I think, a little bit better today than they did yesterday. So make what you will, which you know, hopefully nobody actually will, and I doubt anybody will. But uh, funny that Cal Perry's comfortable just taking the game off. He watched from the the stands with Tony Barbie, and the ESPN constantly showed those two talking. Tony Barbie was taking notes. Would uh, like to be able to see those no- notes. Anyway, some players that stuck out stood out to me today. And first, I want to read this tweet from Brun DMC that I had missed earlier in the show. He said, It's tough not to get excited, but then again, their exhibition, so late pole away runs should be taken with a grain of salt. I agree with this, but once UK went on that run, I think it was a 14 to 2 run, something along those lines. It was kind of clear Kentucky was in charge, and that was in the middle of the first half. I I don't know how close they were able to get in the second half, but it it was clear Kentucky was going to win that game and was the better team. That being said, some players that stood out. For me today, was Carl Anthony Towns. I had I hadn't been tough on Carl Anthony Towns, but from the players I've talked up and have been impressed with he hasn't hadn't been one from the practice I saw from yesterday's game, although you know he played well. he hadn't been a guy that I'd mentioned. He looked really good today and it started off a little shaky. This, uh, you see this happen with Carl Anthony Towns a lot. He gets the ball on the post he's really good at good getting, getting position because he's got such a big body. He's a really smart player, too, so he knows where he needs to, to go that's going to make it easiest for him to get that good position. But once he gets it, too many times he's fading away from the basket shooting, where he did that a lot in high school. And in high school, it was easier for him because when he was fading away, all that did was give him more time to get comfortable with his shot. And when he'd do it then, he'd have a, a six-seven guy guarding him, just somebody that's significantly shorter than he is. So he would be able – it would be that much easier for him. This year in college basketball and in these exhibitions, when you've got somebody that's 6'10", 6'11", however tall, but when they're taller and they're longer, when you fade away, you do get more time to get comfortable with your shot, but it's still not going to be a clean look or a clear look. So he, he'd be much better off just using his strength, using his muscle – and getting to, to the rim. And that's what you saw him do a couple times today. Had a couple unbelievable passes. He's, he is probably the most complete center, or big guy, on Kentucky's team. I still think I would play to Kari Johnson and Willie Cully sign more than him. But I have to remember, we all have to remember, that he's got a much higher ceiling... Not a much higher ceiling, but likely a higher ceiling. Again, he reclassified. He should be a senior in high school right now, and he's on Kentucky's team playing in August. He's been on their campus for three months. He's going to get a lot better than he looks right now. So, I was very impressed by him. And then another guy just, just for the last two days is Tyler. You listen, I mean, If you've listened to my show, you've heard me talk him up. If you have been following me at Cats Illustrated or follow me on Twitter for the last year, I've been talking him up. And now fans are starting to see just why people are so high on him. People like me are so high on him. And one thing he's doing is he's hitting threes and he's hitting outside shots. If he's able to do that, Kentucky's going to have to keep him on the court. I'm not saying play him over Andrew Harrison. I'm not saying play him over Aaron Harrison, but you play those three together because you've got to get Tyler Ullis on the floor. I don't know what Kentucky is going to, what their roster is going to look like, uh, their lineup, starting lineup is going to look like on the opening day, the first game of the year. But Tyler Ullis is going to have to be if not a starter, he's going to have to be the front of the first guys off the bench. Just makes all his teammates better. Makes everybody better. And remember, he's only a freshman. He's just in the same boat as Carl Anthony Towns, only been on campus for a little bit. And he's going to be a guy that's going to stick around a year. It's, it's hard not to just stick in the present. But you think about how good he could be in three or four years, and that's a scary thought, despite his size. And I've wondered, and I I cover basketball recruiting and I haven't heard this up to this point, but if I'm John Calipari and I'm recruiting a player for 2015 or 2016, I'm selling Tyler Uless as one of the reasons you want to come play at Kentucky. If you have a pass-first point guard that can make some unbelievable throws, that should be a selling point for a good score. So I'm curious to see If you're going to hear recruits mentioning Tyler Ulyss down the road. So far, I haven't. But it might be something to watch out for going forward. So he was really good. The Harrison twins look more confident. They look like leaders. They're being more vocal. Again, I saw that at the practice on Wednesday of them talking more. And you saw that. But if I have to pick some downsides of what I've seen so far, I mean, it's hard to find them. I don't think Dakari Johnson's been as good as I saw him at that practice, but he's still been good. Still big body. Still finishing. Rebounding well. I, I don't like to bring this up. Derek Willis is just going to have a really tough time playing on this team, and he's even he's even played all right these last two games. It's just going to be, it's, it's such a loaded roster. I mean, this doesn't come as a surprise to anybody. But it's such a loaded roster, it's just going to be really tough for him to find ways to play. But you have to be optimistic about him in the future. But it's fun to be able to talk basketball, watch basketball this early on. And it's going to give you a better idea. It's going to give fans a better idea of what to expect heading into this season. You know, all the 40-0 talk last year, People had had seen them practice not more than once or twice. UK was very hush hush about practices last year. But you had a team full of fresh you had a team full of freshmen that w- the only thing we had seen from them is high school basketball games or high school all star games. You had two returning ploy- players and Alex Poitras and Willie Colley Stein, neither of which were great offensive threats their first year. Alex Poitras, I think, averaged close to 10 points, which was impressive, but he wasn't, you know, a guy that he still isn't really a guy that's going to take over a game offensively. So you didn't really know what to make of that team last year, and obviously the hype was ridiculous surrounding the team, but this year you're going to have a much better idea heading into the season of what to expect. So... It's it's need to talk some football and I'm I'm trying to get away from basketball, but it's hard. There's an open practice today. Tolls and Drew Barker took most of the quarterback reps, but the they said this coach said that's just their day in the rotation. And what we had heard lately is that it's between Patrick Tolls and Reese Phillips. I don't necessarily think Drew Barker's out of the equation at this point, but we'll see. Maxwell Smith even had some throws today. I think the thing I'm taking away from today's practice, again, I didn't get to see it, but I'm reading off reports and what I've heard. This wider re- these wide receivers are going to be are going to be better. I don't know if UK's quarterbacks are going to be able to get them the ball. You hope they will, you think that they will. But the wide receivers are it's going to be a deeper bunch, it's going to be a better bunch, and you're going to have a lot of freshmen that are going to play a lot. One name that you continue to hear is freshman Dorian Baker, who's a 6'3", 205-pound wide receiver. He's making big plays. A guy that I was excited when Kentucky signed, Blake Bone from South Carolina. He's a, a big – he's a 6'6 wide receiver. Supposedly he's making some plays. So UK is going to have a little bit of everything. And, of course, you're returning some guys. Ryan Timmons is, is one that stands out. Alexander Montgomery when he gets healthy. DeMarco Robinson – so you you are going to have some returning guys to go with these these freshman receivers. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun year for Kentucky. It's going to be a more fun year. Again, I don't know if the Kentucky football expectations are where they should be set. I don't think it should be a bowl game, but the offense should, it just should be a more exciting team to watch, a better team to watch. Another another thing that stuck out from practice today is that supposedly the defense is ahead of the offense, and that's what Stoop said. The defense is able to do more complicated things. I think that was the big part of last year that people aren't really talking about. Is that this isn't... I think we all remember Rick Minter's defense, the defensive coordinator under Joker, and, and how he talked about how tough it is and some NFL teams don't understand his defense and that's how complicated it is. Which is so stupid when you think about it. Why would you make a defense that difficult where you're having professionals whose job it is to learn it, not understand it, and try to put that on 18-year-old, 19-year-old kids? How idiotic was that? And the positive spin from that was, oh, Kentucky's going to have a defense that's it's gonna confuse offenses and it's gonna be it's gonna be able to do all these different things. When realistically, it was just confusing their own players. A terrible strategy from, from Rick Mentor, not to take a trip down memory lane, but supposedly the defense is better right now for Kentucky and able in ahead of the offense. And that's something that you do have to take into consideration. Last year was the first year that Stoops and Elliott were implementing this new system. It's nothing that's super tricky or crazy, but it's still new. It's going to take some time to learn. And now every player that's not a freshman should be more comfortable in it. And even the freshmen should be more comfortable than the freshmen were this time last year. Year because they can look up to the older guys that know what they're doing. Last year, the freshmen looking up to the older guys, the older guys didn't know what they were doing, so the freshmen obviously weren't going to catch on any faster. So now everybody's a step ahead, it's moving in the right direction. So it doesn't really surprise me to hear that the defense is better. It it does surprise me a little bit to hear that they're that far ahead of the offense, and it might make you feel better about Kentucky's defense this year because I I didn't think it was, I don't think it's going to be great. I think you got a really good front line, but besides that, you've got a ton of question marks. But based on the reports that we've heard, it sounds like Kentucky defense is going to be better than, than it has been. Got another text into the show from Brun DMC. With seven SEC teams in the top 25 power rankings, what's your best case and worst case scenario for UK's regular season record? Well, the worst case is probably easier to predict. And that would be another two and ten season. I I really for me, I think it's a three and nine season would be the worst case. They're gonna beat Tennessee Martin. And they should, they absolutely should beat Ohio and Louisiana Monroe. Now, Trevor, who does the show after me, doesn't think Ohio is as big as a win as I think it is. But I'd be very surprised if they didn't win that game. So Those three games are going to be wins. Now, the worst-case scenario after that is you don't win an SEC game. And and is that realistic? Sure it is. They haven't won an SEC game the last two years. So that would be the worst-case scenario. I don't know. Momentum-wise, that certainly wouldn't help you move forward. But I could... I could see it happening. I don't think it will, but I could see that happening. So that's the worst case. And if that happens, that's going to hurt recruiting. That's going to backfire. And I, again, I don't think the program would take a, a, a necessary step in the right direction after all the momentum it's had up to this point. Now, the best case, the more fun thing to talk about, I think Kentucky's going to be 4-3 and three heading into that Mississippi State game. And that includes losses at Florida, to South Carolina at home and at LSU. They're losing at LSU. Uh, that's there's no doubt about that. But would I be completely shocked if they beat South Carolina at home? No, they played a, they they play South Carolina tough uh, year in and year out. They should have they had a great chance to beat them last year. I don't a lot of people are talking about at Florida as a possible win because Florida had such a bad year last year. I think if that game was at Kentucky, you'd feel better about it. But I guess, best case scenario, the, the, the game at Florida and the South Carolina home game, let's say they win one of those somehow. And they do that. So then you've got Kentucky going into the Mississippi State game with only two losses, five wins. Mississippi State game at home is certainly a winnable game. And then... You, you get at missouri which i think is missouri's going to be a lot worse than they were last year there's a lot of toss up games for this kentucky team maybe not necessarily toss up games maybe they lean in, into the opponent's favor but it's close it's close enough where if kentucky's on a good day they could win you just wish kentucky was a better team this year because it's it's in terms of sec schedules being favorable this isn't a terror this is a decent one Can Kentucky win at Tennessee? Sure, they could. Could they win at Louisville? I don't think, I wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, Louisville and Tennessee will be favorites in that game, and rightfully so. But last game of the year, uh, it's it's very, very tough to predict right now how both those teams, how all three of those teams are going to be at the end of the year. So I think, honestly, the best case scenario would be Eight wins. I know that sounds crazy, but again, that's the best case scenario, and I think it, it, it could happen if if things work out right for Kentucky. I think a lot of that is going to fall on quarterback play. So that's likely the best case scenario. You win a couple SEC games, maybe you beat your rival in Louisville. You get you go to a bowl game that nobody believes, uh, nobody thought you were going to at the beginning of the year, and recruiting is going to continue and only get better with that kind of success because not only can you sell playing time, not only can you go into Ohio and sell location and sell the SEC, but you can sell that, hey, these coaches are doing the right thing. It's working. Come be a part of it. Now, if they were to go eight and four and go to a bowl game, let's say they win and they go nine and four, they're going to start losing some staff members. But that's what happens at big time college football programs. So that would be the best case scenario. We're going to head to our last commercial break. We'll come back, talk a little more football, a little more basketball, and get to some other stories from this sports weekend. So stick around here on 1450 The
0: Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker.
1: Had a fun commercial, break. Had to go let the puppy out. He was getting a little worked up, so I had to go let him out and hope that he could do his business in the time it took to get back here for this final segment. He did all right. Did a did a good job. He's a, he's a good he's a good pup, but can't have him whining and crying when the when we're on the air like he was. So he's gonna spend this last segment outside, and and he'll just have to he'll have to get used to it. So talk football. Rob Blackcock tweets in and says, eight wins. You've been drinking the same Kool Aid as those freshman running backs." I'm talking that's the best case scenario, Rob. And really, the best case scenario, I think realistically would be nine wins a lot of their game- a lot of their tough games are at home. And they could win that. Trevor texted me during the break and said, "You're never going to let me forget the Ohio game." and then he says, "At least you let me forget last year's Georgia game prediction. That was Trevor's upset pick for Kentucky football as they were going to win at Georgia, which is just which is just stupid. No offense, Trevor, to think UK, that UK team last year was going to go to Athens and win. But we, we love you anyways. And they're not losing Ohio this year. If they do, though, and you ever let me live that down, then something's wrong with you. Anyways, I wanted to talk about this for just a second. Everybody's had a take on Tony Stewart, the NASCAR driver who killed a, a a sprint car driver, Kevin Ward Jr., in a dirt track race in Indiana. Or the the no, the he the race wasn't in Indiana, but it was a dirt track. Everybody's had a Everybody's had a take on this, and whether or not Tony Stewart did it on purpose, I, I, my take on it is that it's pretty. I think all the talk is almost disrespectful to Kevin Ward's fam, Ward's family. I haven't watched the video of it because I don't want to watch a video of somebody dying. I think there are better people in charge of taking care of this situation and figuring something out, and they're gonna they're gonna figure this out in due time. But to have a stance on it, saying that Kevin Ward was on the racetrack and he was at fault even if it's true, why not wait before blaming a a 20-year-old for dying or saying Tony Stewart had intent to do it. I can't even imagine what he's feeling. I can't imagine what Tony Stewart's family's feeling. I can't imagine what any family involved in this is feeling. It's It's a terrible tragedy that I think you need people need to be careful on whether or not they're uh, uh, they need to be sensitive about it. So that's my take on it. Is that we should be careful and respectful in having a take. Wanted to mention that because I, 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 all these other sports shows I've heard today, national shows. That's fine. Sports talk radio, sports radio hosts get paid to have opinions on things and to share those opinions. I just don't know if opi- uh, your opinions are need to be shared at this point. So maybe, maybe when de- more details and and facts can be made of the case. I know they're re- reviewing all videos, but I, I can't believe they're showing some of those video the videos online or. On Not online, but on television. I'm not a person that gets, that I can watch anything. I can watch any videos. Bad breaks don't bother me. But watching somebody die is a little, it's not something I will ever choose to watch on a video. So that's my take on that. And it's a downer, and it's a sad situation, and it's not something fun to talk about. But I, I just felt that I needed to say that much on it. We can get back to some of the other, some of the other things that happened over the weekend. Uh, it's just a terrible tragedy, and should be left at that for the time being. The looking, looking ahead, expi- exhibition games going on throughout the country and out of the country, more like it. The college teams across the country are are participating in exhibition games. You get to do this once every four years. Louisville will get to do it next year. Kentucky did it four years ago by going to Canada. Quite a few other teams are down in the Bahamas. Pittsburgh, UNC, they're playing the, the Bahama teams that, again, Louisville played three years ago. They're they're not very talented teams. Pittsburgh went 4-0. But it's always good to get your team together this early and get to play against other competition and get to practice for an extended period of time. And it's a, it's a bonding trip for these teams. So regardless of your competition, regardless of who you play, there's some good that can be taken away from this regardless. But Kentucky playing some of these other big name teams is uh, not big name, but uh, teams that are a little more talented. That's good too. Uh, I think it's going to help Kentucky in a confidence standpoint, winning some of these, but I have to mention Indiana losing to Ottawa. They give up 109 points and they are playing with a 24 second shot clock, which I'm not really sure why. I don't know if that's the Canadian college rules that they have a 24 second shot clock. But to lose to Ottawa and have them almost score 110 points on you, and Indiana is missing some of their players, but that is not a good sign for this upcoming season of Indiana basketball. And things have been really bad lately for IU. And I don't know when they're going to get better. They might not get better until... They make a, a a a move with their coaching staff, but that's not a good start to their season. Ottawa's mascots are the the GGs, which is I don't know what that means. I'd love to hear the story behind that. I should have probably looked it up and done my research but it, it last year was really bad for iU and uh, it for a program like iU to go through a year like they did last year. With one of the top picks in the draft, and Noah Vonleh is crazy, but I and I do think they'll it'll it'll be better this year. I I think they'll be invited to a postseason tournament, although I don't think it'll be the NCAA tournament. I, I I tried to get on some IU message boards and kind of see what their reactions are, and on big message boards you get a, you get a little bit of everything, but IU fans are not thrilled, even the optimistic ones are not thrilled about their exhibition loss to Ottawa. And Ottawa, I think, finished second in the Canadian college basketball tournament, whatever it's called, whatever it is involved. So they're one of the better teams in Canada, but you'd have to think even one of the even the best team in Canada wouldn't be as good as a a high major program like Indiana. So it seems like, kind of switching gears, seems like the Kevin Love trade for Andrew Wiggins and and maybe Anthony Bennett is going to be official in the coming weeks. I thought it was interesting that Wiggins said he wanted that trade. He wanted to be traded. He told that to his college coach, Bill Self. You buying that, Yates, that, that he wanted to be traded?
0: Uh, I mean, probably not, but I, I mean, I could see there being some very competitive person out there who didn't want to be LeBron's Robin. I mean, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility.
1: That, you're right about that. It's not crazy to think that. What is crazy to think, though, is that you would pass up playing for NBA championships versus missing the playoffs and being one of the bottom feeders in the NBA. Nobody likes losing. And I think Andrew Wiggins, uh, he might, he, maybe he's naive and not aware, but he's going to be doing a lot more losing in Minnesota than he would be doing in Cleveland.
0: Also. I mean, you're not going to say anything but that you're not gonna be like, Oh man, I really wish I could have stayed there.
1: Well, you know, not necessarily, and when he's having a private conversation with his coach, he could have said, I, I really looked forward to playing with LeBron. I'm going to make the most out of going to Minnesota. I like the fact that I'm going to be the guy. But he didn't necessarily, or he could have just said nothing about it and had his coach not say anything about it. So I, I did think it, the comments were interesting. And, but you know, if if that's the way Andrew Wiggins thinks, where he wants to be the guy, then, if you're Andrew Wiggins, it's time. It's it's time to put up, make some things happen, win Rookie of the Year. It's going to be really tough for Minnesota to make the playoffs, or with with how stacked the Western Conference is. But be be close, finish ninth or tenth. I don't know if that's – I doubt that's going to happen, but if he did that, then I'd be more okay with the comments. I I just don't think he realizes how hard it's going to be to win in the NBA. He couldn't even get his team past Stanford in the NCAA tournament. So we need to head out. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, 3 o'clock, be able to talk about another Kentucky basketball game, which is so weird to do and and, and be able to do in August. But thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Seven, be oh, hitting two. Song call it bluegrass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home. Take a shot of Tron, lay back in the left and
0: take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to BG in my zone. In my zone. Let me hear you say. In high time sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Cause people always trying to tell me how they run my life
1: when they say I'm boring.